Alright guys, welcome back to Up in the Air. I'm Jake. I am Nick. Alright Nick, today we've got episode 9 of Up in the Air. Uh, biggest news of the weekend was the NCAA tournaments. March Madness coming to conclusion. Men's and women's. We'll talk about the men's first. This episode coming at you a day late. Day late, yeah. Because we're celebrating Jake's birthday. Yeah, woo. Jake's birthday was Monday. I'm so. 35. Okay, um... Wow, you're old. 26. 26, Jake is. And we wished him a happy birthday, but again, Jake, happy birthday, brother. Thank you, buddy. So this one's going to be coming out to you guys on Wednesday, April 5th. And due to that, March is over, Jake. It is. So the March Madness tournament, sadly, is no longer with us. We have some champions, and we're going to talk about it. Yep. So to start things off, Jake, UConn dominated. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, no, it was from outside of the first half against Iona, they I mean, they beat everybody by double digits. Right. They never felt out of control in any of their games. No. Outside of that first half, I think they were down the by first two. Half, the first half against yeah. Iona. First half. So shout out Rick Pitino. Also in the championship game, the, the first half kind right. of yeah. started yeah. a little iffy for UConn, but they, they just kind of took things But this away. happened at the beginning of every ha- second half of all these games. Correct. Is every time the other team would be like, oh, they're coming back, and they just put an end to it. Right. I mean, they... They had one. I mean, they started off the season as one of the best teams in the country. They ended the regular season as pop, arguably the hottest team in the country. They kind of had, they had a lull, lull in between in, in the middle of the season, but then they just kind of turned things around but, right at the right time. Yeah, if you think about it, and yeah. then going right into the tournament, four seed. This is what UConn does. They had. I mean, you we're looking at the bracket now. I want if you think you can go mm-hmm. through where UConn was placed in their bracket. Yeah, and just see the sort of teams. I mean, we know who they eventually played, but see some of the teams that are. You know who was their number one seed in that in that bracket? Kansas. Kansas was yeah. okay. So you know Kansas. I mean, they, a they, down year from yeah. their championship last year, and two and three. Can you see that? Yeah, two was UCLA who lost to Gonzaga. Right. Three was Gonzaga. Okay. And then four was Saint. Uh, five was Saint Mary's, which is not an easy game no. in the second round. And UCLA, obviously, Arkansas is probably the best eight seed in the country. Like a. They're much better than they were ranked. Right. UCLA had an, had an injury history this year, mm-hmm. and Gonzaga was not the same Gonzaga team we've seen in the past. Correct. But, but they've had a lot of lower-seeded teams doing really well, and UConn was able to come out of that and eventually yeah. win the tournament. What? So my I'm, I'm going to address all the haters of March Madness for a second. Go ahead. There's a bunch of people who are like, this tournament's trash, look at this game, blah, blah, blah. The championship game was watched more than any of the NBA Finals games of the past year. Yeah, and the past and last year's NBA Finals was a good Finals. Right, it was Warrior Celtics. Right, and it's the, the people are saying that the the, the product is trash because all these upsets ruin everything. It doesn't. No, it's the whole point of it. That Florida Atlantic San Diego State game was one of the best games I've watched. We're going to talk about the women's tournament time. too yeah. because yep. there's a lot of stuff coming out of that. And I I'm going off of your argument here, Jake, where people are saying, oh, it wasn't. I don't want to spoil for what we're going to talk about later, but yep. they're arguing that the women's tournament was more exciting because the seeds were higher. I don't even know if it's that so much. But as it just, wasn't. I I don't agree with that. It's just. I think the difference is is in, in the women's games, they have the superstars. Right. Like like Caitlin Clark is, and we'll I guess we can talk about it a little bit later. But the, each of those top teams has like a clear cut like. This is their All star. Four go-to. of the final four teams in yeah. the women's has like a superstar, a superstar who will be a top five pick in WNBA draft and right. make an NBA, a WNBA All Star team, which is great for women's basketball that there's this many stars. It is, but in the men's tournament, I mean, Adama Sanogo is fantastic, and he was probably the most consistent and best player of the tournament. 
Meanwhile, it's practicing Ramadan the whole time, so he was not eating or drinking at all right. during the day during any of these games. So, which when is right. in, it's an incredible feat, and I don't want to downplay that. But I don't think he's going to become like a superstar in the NBA. I don't know if anybody that played in this Final Four will become an NBA superstar, even if they get a few first round picks and these guys make. There's a clear difference between some of these, right? And you know, the Naismith winner from Purdue, Zach Eady. Zach Eady got knocked out. The defensive player of the year, Jalen Clark, tore his Achilles before the tournament started. Right. So you have all these big names in men's college basketball that either get knocked out early in the tournament or weren't even playing. So you have the chance for all these, I guess, understated, under-talked about performers going out there and playing in these games that I guess people just weren't really interested in because they didn't care to learn about these players, right? Yep. They didn't care to figure out that... Oh, he was going through, you know, his fast Ramadan. for Ramadan, yeah. but you know, no one's talking about that. Or how good uh, some of these FAU guys have been, right? Or how well they shoot the basketball, or how how good defensively San Diego State is. There's, I, I guess, the difference is is um, the the transfer portal for the men's is a lot more prevalent and a lot more talked about. For yeah, sure. yeah, 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 for yeah. sure. And I'd, I'd say that there's definitely more men's players that go into the portal than women's. At least it's it's a lot more trafficked. I, I don't know how to I don't know what word to use. It's a, it's talked about a lot more. It's you see a lot more movement, um, and I think that creates teams like this. You know where these guys, these guys. You know FAU could have. I don't know if this is just as an example. They could have a guy that goes to Kentucky, thinks he's going to sure. play, doesn't play, and then he, they go to a place like that and they play. Now none of these guys are really highly recruited, but with the transfer portal and with you know. Recruiting being at an all-time high, not even just in the transfer portal, but in general with the amount of basketball you can play year-round and the amount of exposure you have, pretty much anyone can see you anywhere and, and you can fit where you need to fit, and it's a lot easier to do that now than it used to that, be, if that's making sense. That makes me wonder, and this might sound stupid, but think about it for a second, right? If you have a superstar yeah. on your team, like a bona fide superstar, you yeah. know they're going to do really well in the college product, and mm-hmm. they can probably do really well in the NBA too. Like, take Purdue, for example. They have a superstar. Right, but how good is he going to be but in the NBA? if what you were just talking about, and I agree with you, yep. you know, does that kind of limit what a superstar can do? I think in the men's game, it has become... Like, when's the last time we saw, like, a true NBA superstar, like, take their team on a, co- on a collegiate run? Right. I mean, it's been a while. Kemba. I mean Kemba, yeah, but even he, I mean he was, yeah, he was an All Star, he was an All NBA player. Kemba, AD, correct. Uh, Anthony Davis, who's a generational. But these talent. were, this was a decade ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean Zion got them to the Elite Eight, and right. that, that team was unreal. That team, that was a that's probably the most superstar yeah, team, right? Right. You know, you think about we were we were talking about so teams of the of the past before yeah. we started. Mm-hmm. You know, UTEP, the team. Yeah. The first All Black starting five. Yep. You know that entire team is in the Basketball Hall of Fame. You know, now you have players who aren't on the same caliber, I'll say. Yeah. I don't I don't think they are. No, yeah, I think the team just got in like as a celebratory like Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But what I'm trying to say is, you know, you have these teams of old with like UCLA, Kareem and all those guys. Or, you know, Duke throughout the like Jay Williams in that entire era. Yeah. Um, Syracuse with Carmelo. You know, you have these teams that have a superstar that made it really far. But then there's also teams like Maryland in right. 2002. It's just a random group of guys. Arkansas. In 94. In 94. 
You know, I don't yeah. I don't remember. Usually, you get an NBA players. caliber player. I can't. I don't know who are on those rosters, but I'm sure they had guys make the NBA. Sure, but the team aspect of it is a lot more important now than it used to be because the basketball talent is so high in this country, and not even just in this country, across the world. Basketball is global now. I mean, it is global. It is. It's one of the most global sports. In across the planet, soccer obviously is the big one. I'd say basketball is a is second. Basketball, I'd is, say basketball is past baseball. You know, I mean, depending you can, on what part you can of the country argue you go they're to. like rugby, cricket. Those are very popular outside overseas. of outside of the U.S. But outside yes. of the U.S., basketball is by far the most global sport. Yeah, that is most appreciated here. You know, obviously, yeah, I'd say so I'd say it's possible here. that rugby, that rugby and cricket are bigger elsewhere. Right, mostly just. I mean, if it's big in India and Asia, it's I mean, like, well... There's, there's a cricket player who has more social media following than LeBron James. Oh, I yeah, think, no, I cricket's... I his it's, name. It's just not here. But I know yeah. that's a fact. That there's no, that's a, a good point. There's a cricket player with a bigger social media following. Of the sports following, we care about in America, basketball, basketball would be second is, behind soccer. Yes. If you want to count soccer, if it's a sport we care about. Right. Basketball <laughs> is more cared about in the USA, so that's why we're saying it's the more global sport from yeah. here, but we also do play soccer. Yeah. You know, shout out our women's team and yeah. our men's team and all the all the national, national it's teams. Yep. It's growing. The MLS is growing. It yep. might take hockey over, but that's a conversation for yep. another day. The, um, um, but the basketball talent, like, I mean, FAU starting center is Russian. Yeah. There's guys from, uh, there's Canadian players you don't even realize are Canadian. Right. That there's players from all over the and place. And you see stories all the time. It's like, oh, this one player hasn't seen his mom in like eight years because yeah. he's been in the States training for basketball. Yeah. And he's been recruited. There's players like, coming over from There Africa. are players like Joel Embiid. Yep. He got recruited. From like Cameron. what? From, from like, Kansas. What, what age was he when he was recruited? It was younger. Was, he didn't right? pick up a basketball until he was like 15 or 16. Okay. Yeah. But, but then he was like immediately But now they recruited. have they have NBA uh, Europe, NBA Africa. Like Absolutely. they have all this stuff where... So I just think the talent level is increasing, and I think that basketball is one of those games where you need to mesh. Yeah. Especially at the collegiate level, where like if you want to win this many games in a row and this high intent, you need to mesh, and you could you can kind of start to see when these teams are coming together. And going off that point, Jake, yeah. because I think that was that point is more visible at least this year in the women's tournament. Yeah. Because switching over to that now, yeah. The the entire LSU team showed up to play. Yeah, Caitlin Clark had herself a game, but where was the rest of her team? Yeah, just not there for her when she needed it. And LSU is the women's national champion for first time ever. For the first time ever, this is a random, but my favorite clip I saw was uh, there's a couple girls talking to the the team, the school's president, trying to get them to get her to cancel, get him to cancel classes. They were, come on, just do it, just do it. And they're like, you did it for the football team. Uh-huh. He was like, I did. They're like, yeah, you did. So they kept trying to get him to like cancel classes the next day. So I thought that was funny because the women's game was Sunday, so they're trying to cancel everybody's classes Monday, so everyone can have a good time. Right. Which something tells me LSU still did, but yeah. And you know, shout out uh, LSU women's head basketball coach Kim Mulkey because mm-hmm. she's won a national championship now. Her in, in every single spot in her entire career. As a player, mm-hmm. as an assistant coach, now as a head coach for LSU. Well, she had done it as a head coach before. She used to coach Baylor. Oh. Like Brittany Griner Baylor. Oh, right. Yeah. Why do you always do this, Jake? I, just, I, I try to make a good point, you and did, you do this to me! You did make a good point. I'm providing the facts to the people now. Uh, okay, well, whatever. But also, she's the first one to win a national championship at two different schools. There. So that's a cool fact. That's a cool fact. Yeah. Do you see me not refuting your statement by adding stupid facts to it? <laughs> no. No, I don't. <laughs> you know, Nick, I'll just let you be wrong from now on, okay? <laughs> but I wasn't wrong! I, I, you're not wrong. No, you're, you're not wrong. 
<laughs> well, I wasn't trying to say you're wrong. I was just saying this isn't her first national championship. No, I wasn't saying that either. But she's the first person to do to yeah. to have all three now, which is impressive, right? But I lost my train of thought. Where were we? Kim Mulkey. Kim Mulkey. We're LSU. We're crushing it. Iowa. Right. Okay. So the big story out of this women's game is sadly drama related. Trash talking. Trash talking. It's sports, people. I mean, you played. You played sports. I did. A lot of them. Some sports. And on the collegiate level. Yep. You know that. Yep. I played sports, not at the collegiate level, but I'm aware what trash talking is. Also, I'm aware what sportsmanship is. It's and gamesmanship. Trash talk is a big part of sports, but it's a big part of basketball. Yes. Because basketball is so. It, as much as it is a team game, a lot of it is also very individual. Absolutely. It, I mean, like you one on one, you, there's one on one matchups on every possession the entire game. Right. So it's very, it's a part of it. I mean, it's a part of the culture now at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, NBA players talk crap to each other all the time. It, the trash talk happens. Right. And people get so sensitive about the trash talk. Because everyone's so concerned about class and all this. It's fucking... It's a game. Everyone gets so obsessed over it. Nick, if you and I were playing Monopoly, right? Look at what I just did two minutes ago. Right. If you and I are playing Monopoly... Right. And I I land on one of your houses, I'm probably going to call you a cocksucker. It's just a reality, and I have to pay you $1,000. It's just a reality situation. Because if you're competitive, this is how it goes. People have fought over far worse... Yeah. For far different reasons yeah. than losing an important basketball. You used to bump into somebody in a saloon and you'd go out and duel each other. Right. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm just, Literally. I'm just saying. I mean, Wild West. You yeah. Know, like you were saying, if you're like, oh, you're looking at me wrong, let's go shoot at each other. Yeah, if your One mustache the- twitches the wrong way, you'd fucking pull out a revolver and that'd be it. Right. And there's a lot of darker history that revolves uh-huh. around that too, but that's not important right now. No. But it's just sad to see that even all big sports media enterprises are pushing this narrative of like, oh, uh, Angel Reese did that and uh, Caitlin Clark is trash and all this other stuff. And I'm just like, it's overshadowing the importance of how good this championship was for the women's basketball. Welcome to, uh, yeah, welcome to uh, media. Right. happens. Everything becomes a story. Everything becomes a story and it's going to be talked about. So, Let's talk about the positives, Nick. Right. Now that we got the bullshit out of the way. And before we before we go on to that, Jacob, we'll just preface. Caitlin Clark even came out today and was like, "Listen, it's fine." Yeah, I like, she's I'm, like, "I love her. She's great. She's great. She, she played great. She deserves it. She deserves it." That they team even, won. They even were like, "Did you see someone on SportsCenter ask Caitlin Clark about going to the White House?" Right. That they were like, "What should Ellis should Iowa get a chance to go to the White House?" And she was like, "No." no. No, like, we, this is what winners do. They deserve it. Right. They played better. This is, and I, I really don't. Under, I, I, maybe it's just because Caitlin Clark was the player of the year, and she has like, she, I mean, she was fantastic well, all year. Right. I don't. Caitlin know. Caitlin Clark still put up thirty in the game that she lost. Yeah. But you know, going to the White House that's for champions, right? Caitlin Clark didn't do that. She didn't win. Angel Reese did. Right. The rest and of even, the LSU team did. And after, even after they win, the whole story afterwards has been about Caitlin Clark. Right. And all the things she does for the hot... Which, by the way, she's a terrific person. She's a terrific basketball player. Not to take that away from her. Right. But no one is talking about LSU in the way they deserve to be talked about. Right. I mean, Angel Reese is... 
She, she, she made ha- history in her own right. She averaged what, 24 and she 15? She averaged a double-double for the first time in 24 and 15 year? 15 in, or something? Uh, like women's basketball history or something. Like, she has the most double-doubles in SEC history in yes. a single season. She's a sophomore. Right. Like, the rest of the team is really talented as well. But they were kind of downplayed all year. They only had two losses and ended up as a three seed. Correct. And, and I think their two losses came against, like, two other really talented teams. I think they lost to Tennessee, perhaps. People are going to gripe on, it's, oh, she doesn't have class. This is Angel Reese here we're talking yeah. about. She doesn't have class or, or oh, she's or going on to, like, a, a racial stereotype here. Oh, she's a thug or she's not behaving right. That's not sportsmanship. But there's a difference, Jake. There's a difference between sportsmanship and gamesmanship. Yeah. That's where the trash talk comes from. Yeah. Being a good sports person, that's like, and okay, you know, what they did today. You know, congratulating each other, saying, oh, like, I respect her. Like, she played great. Yeah. But gamesmanship, yeah. That I'm is gonna, gamesmanship. I'm going to trash talk you. Mm-hmm. You know, you've been you've been blowing out all of your competition all year, Caitlin Clark. I mean. And here is my team. Yeah. I would argue that's Angel Reese's team. Yeah, so she she's from the DMV area. Right. And she came out and talked about this. She's from Baltimore area specifically, I think. Mm-hmm. That's the culture of Baltimore. The basketball is so huge in the DMV. It is massive in the DMV. It's massive in the DMV, and this is how it goes there. This right. is just it, – it's one of the hubs of our country for basketball. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of terrific players that come out of there. I mean, Kevin Durant's from the DMV, right? How much shit does Kevin Durant talk to not just – on the court, but to people at all times. He's famous Which for he talking gets, shit on the internet. Right, right, and the, and he gets his shit for it, too. He does. But we also celebrate Kevin Durant for how talented he is, and I right. think we should just be celebrating Angel Reese a little bit more because of how well she played. We should just be she, celebrating the entirety of correct. what women's basketball was able to do this year. The fact that we're talking about it this much is terrific for the sport. Right. Yeah. What else that is good for the women's game, Jake? I don't know if you saw these ticket prices or the differences. I did not. The men's game was down like 91% in ticket prices compared to years past. Nice. And Cheap tickets. I have some numbers here that I found. I forget what website I'm from, and I apologize. Are they correct? This is credible, though. Like This was, I believe, from maybe the NCAA website or at least a... A website with a credible schedule yeah. of the game and where you could find ticket prices, and so like Dan Butcher credi- credible or uh, uh, Brian Dutcher like Brian Dutcher credible. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, okay, continue. Better than that. Clearly, I remember his name. Go ahead. So, just some quick numbers here. This is for so this this example that I found this table, um, it provided. Say you went to the women's Final Four, and you're like, I want to see both Final Four games and the National Championship, because they all played, the Final mm-hmm. Four and the National Championship for men's and women's were both played in a singular um, stadium, yeah, yeah, stadium. Yeah, yeah. whereas the men's were in Energy Stadium in Houston, and I forget where the women's was. It was in a stadium somewhere. But a significantly smaller stadium, too. I don't think people are going to talk about this. Yeah. Energy Stadium can hold, like, over almost 80,000 people. Yep. Whereas where the women played, it was like 21,000-ish. So there's a vast difference in arena size. But anyway, for the for the men's tournament, if you wanted to get the shittiest seats... It was in Dallas. The shittiest seats in NRG Stadium in Houston for both Final Four games mm-hmm. and the national championship, it was like 89 to $120. For all three games? For all three games. For a single ticket? Yeah. It was... Mind-bogglingly small, like a stupid amount. Yeah, like, it's not that much. Yeah, 
Whereas the women's tournament, if you wanted to watch both Final Four games mm-hmm. and the national championship, was up around like $480, $500. That's it? Yeah. Uh-huh. That's it. <laughs> That's a lot. That is a lot. Yeah. Compared to, I think we're always hearing this narrative, oh, it's, you know, we're surprised that the men's tournament didn't cost as much. But like I said earlier, it was like 91% compared to ticket prices in the past. Right. Which could be upwards near like $1,000 if you wanted to watch all three games. They played in American Airlines Center in Dallas where the Mavs play. Oh, so like so an actual basketball it's, I mean, it is, it is, but you're right. It is significantly smaller because they play the men's championship games in football arenas. In a football arena. Right, right. so like next year it'll be in Cleveland at uh, whatever it's called. The, it used to be the Q. It used to be Quicken Loans Arena. It's not that anymore. Wherever the Cavs play. Where the Cavs play. Right, so it's like they fit a bunch of people in there. Uh-huh. But they're actual basketball venues. Right. So. You know, there was a, there was a not to go off topic for mm-hmm. a second, but we're not really not. Anyway, there was a Twitter video I saw. When Miami was playing their Final Four game, yeah, there were some Miami students that were so I guess there was a queue to be able to watch. So like you had to students from yeah. Miami were only able to watch like a certain half. It's weird. It was like a queue to rotate. Yeah, and if you were in the second half, you had to sit in these seats that were literally behind a wall. That's amazing. So you couldn't even watch what was going on. That sounds like going to a you Duke Syracuse game in the dome. You couldn't see. You couldn't see the scoreboard. Yep. You couldn't see anything that was going on in the court, and you yep. were stuck behind a wall, just kind of like looking at your phone, seeing what was going on, and then eventually, if you were able to get into the student section, you could move. That's weird. Yeah, it was super weird. I don't know why they did that, but um, we were talking earlier how good this year was for women's basketball, and I think these ticket prices are a, a, a testament to that. You know, people care. Verbal retweet. People cared about you know spending a higher premium to watch the women play compared to the men yep. which was I mean we I can't think of another example maybe with soccer the women's national team and the men's national team you know ticket maybe. prices ticket prices for those might be similar we have to check but we'd yeah. have to check but um, no it's I mean, very it's very it, think about it like two like like this two Jake you know there aren't other really professional opportunities to compare Women's sports versus men's sports. Correct. You know, football, baseball, even basketball, especially basketball. Yeah. You know, those ticket prices have nothing to compare to for a women's sport of the similar caliber. not even close. So um, that's a testament to what college basketball can do and what it did this year for women's sports. Shout out to NIL as Um, well. Shout out, yes. Shout out NIL. I'm sure that makes a huge difference. Amazing opportunities Mm -hmm. that were not awarded to them before. And... um, but Jake, mm-hmm. we talked a lot about March Madness. We did, we did, we did. It was a great tournament. It was, it was, it was. There's a lot more sports coming up. Yep. And we're going to be moving on pretty quickly to our next topic. Hold on. Before, we have to have a debate about UConn, Nick. Right. Is UConn officially a blue blood? Yes. I think so. I think It's not the- very much a debate, Jake. No. I think I think they're up there with the Kansases and the Kentuckyses and the Dukeses. And the, the North Carolinas is and the John Woodens and because the John it's not Woodens. UCLA. It's just the John. Woodens. It's just the John Wooden. Yeah, right. I'd say this is the most impressive twenty-five year stretch that we've seen since UCLA. So in the last twenty-five years, give us some numbers. Actually. Give us some numbers. So in the last twenty-four years, some UCon- incredible numbers that I'm not going to have to debate you on. Okay, I'm going to pull up my Twitter because I have them on my Twitter. <laughs> so you bitch. 
This um, is a good segue. Follow us on on Twitter. Yeah, at Up Air Podcast. I have eleven followers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so UConn in the last twenty five years, they've missed eight tournaments, which is one out of every three, which is a lot considering for a blue bud. That's a lot. Right. But they've had five national titles with three different coaches. By the way, never forget Kevin Ollie and Shabazz Napier in two thousand fourteen. Kevin Ollie was fired like two years later. That was the most random championship coach of all time. They made six Final Fours and won five championships out of six. That's something that we haven't seen in a while. Usually those numbers are not that high. Am I right? Usually if you make a, you want basically they get to the Final Four, they're guaranteed the championship. For the most part. Mm-hmm. Right. And they've made nine Elite Eights, which is also a lot. That is a lot. Yeah. Right. Um, only 10 Sweet 16. So it's basically like they get to the final four. They, they they're either not in the tournament. They're either not in the tournament or, or they make at the least lead eight. in the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, yeah. It's it's right. extremely impressive. They have had seven first weeks exits also, but seven first weekend exits also. UConn is not but tied for fourth, fourth all time all time in championships behind only UCLA who is eleven, which they won ten out of thirteen right in the sixties and seventies with John Wooden, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Bill Walton. Like was it ten or like twelve? They had like seven in a row. It might have been out of twelve. I think it might have John been Wooden had like twelve. It might have been ten out of twelve. Yeah, uh, yeah. There was NC State mixed in there and um, the Texas Western team, which is now UTEP that we talked about. Yeah. Yep. But other than that, they won ten championships in twelve years and only lost ten games of those ten years. They won championships. Correct. It's the most dominant stretch of sports outside of the fifties and sixties. Celtics probably that we've ever seen. Right. UCLA has but this, eleven. But this happened, Nick. Before uh, this happened in all sports. Think about hockey. It was just Canadians, nothing else. Baseball, it was Yankees and nothing else. Football, it was Packers or Browns and nobody else. The Bears had the most NFL championships before this, before the Super Bowl. Right. So I mean, so Bears, Packers, Browns. Those guys were winning every because the Browns won like seven and ten years. The Packers yeah. won all those once the Super Bowl. This is what happens in sports. There's these stretches, but. 50 years ago, these stretches were a lot more elongated than they are now. This is something that we haven't seen in college basketball in our lifetime specifically. Right. In the last 40 years even. I mean, Duke had a little run, but Duke didn't win five in... They, I don't think they won five in 25 years. They might have. When was the last time they had won one? Uh, 15. 2015. Yes. Yeah. And they won in 91 and 92, and I think they won another one in the 90s in the early 2000s. So they might have also done that. So it's but also that's impressive. Just, but that's more credibility for us saying that UConn joins the Blue Bloods of college. To be basketball. like, oh, the only other team to do this is Duke and UNC. Right. Like what they have done is put them in this status. This is this is the most impressive school of the last twenty five years. Right. UConn has always been a basketball school, mm-hmm. but I think this just now solidifies that for people who are maybe somewhat doubting that. Oh, yeah. maybe. Oh, look, field hockey. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, field hockey. Field hockey. What the fuck are you talking about? No, but no. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is yeah. UConn it 24 belongs, years, five championships. belongs in that basketball stratosphere with the bona fide greatest schools. For basketball, For yeah. basketball. For, I mean, not even just men's, basketball in general. Yes. I'd argue if you combine women's, they oh, might be the best oh my basketball God. school in the country. Women's basketball alone yeah. solidified that for them, but mm-hmm. now the men having, you know, five... Overall championships. They're still the only school to ever have the men's and women's team win the championship in the same year. Yeah. 2011. 2011. But um, it, it's impressive how they retool and how they get people to go there. And Danny Hurley's awesome. He is. I know there's a lot of Hurley haters out there for Bobby's days at Duke and like. No, back in 2020. Back in 2020, he was like, "Y'all better watch out for us." Yeah. No, it was a couple of years. I mean, we're gonna be right back here. So there, he was on part of my take mm-hmm. this week and they this past week and they interviewed him and, it, and it's uh. It's awesome to hear him 
talk and like to see him coach and to just right. It's just it. I love their fire and their passion for the game and the way they coach and it's um yeah. called and that they just let it play out. Respect it, and right. And after the game, he, he was just so honest. He was just like, "Yeah, I didn't have any plays left." And it's like, okay, sweet, that was cool. So I just wanted to bring that up because it was an incredible moment. It was, and it's something that you don't see it, very often. It was the only buzzer beater of the tournament. Was it? A shining moment. I would say so. I didn't see the video. I'm assuming it was in there. I'm assuming it had to be yeah. there. But um, now we can move on. Now we're gonna move on. Yep. Uh, we're gonna leave this championship and its legacy to talk about at a later date. Because guess what, Jake? What? Baseball is back, baby. Whoa. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baseball's awesome. MLB opening week has been happening. Yep. Since last episode, baseball's day started up on Thursday. And there's already been some incredible... This is completely random, but this is a stat I heard. Can I start off with the most random stat? Go ahead! Andrew McCutcheon has now faced the two fastest pitches in MLB history. (laughs) 105.8 from Araldis Chapman when Chapman was on the Reds. When they were on the Reds. And then just the other day, Hunter Green threw 105.2 with McCutcheon at the dish. So, poor McCutcheon. Poor McCutcheon. (laughs) I love that he's back on the box. Yeah, no, it's awesome, yeah. Um, But MLB is back. Correct. I've been able to keep up on a lot of it so far. Terrific. Um, And there's some things that we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. because it's a really exciting time. I love baseball. Yeah, we're about four or five games in. We're about four or five, maybe six, Mm -hmm. six being played right now. Um, But just kick things off, Jake. Right on. We're not going to talk about either New York team right away, just to be fair, Um, because the Rangers are scoring all of the runs. Yes. They beat up on the Phillies in that first series, and yep. I love it. They crushed the Phillies. They uh, Shout I mean, out to DeGrom. Shout out to DeGrom. He had seven Ks, but he had he let up like five. No. But strikeouts. No, he, had, he let up like five <laughs> runs. He got, he got shelled a little bit in his first. Actually, all of the Mets pitchers that left in free agency got rocked. What did I tell you about the Rangers lineup, Nick? We talked about this we last week. We talked about it. I warned you. They look pretty deadly. Now that I've talked about it again and, and it came true, they're going to suck this upcoming week. You watch. There, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I mean, Seager Simeon's the best middle infield combo. I'm glad league. Simeon actually started this year off well, well yeah. compared to last year. Yep. Um, but the Rangers are going to be a team to watch. A, ho- a wagon, Nick. Um, it might be a wagon. And speaking on the Phillies, yep. World Series hangover incoming? Well, they don't what have Bryce, is going on? Well, they don't have Bryce Harper. Right. Which hurts. Um, their middle infield is still very much not Well, they solidified. lost Segura. Yeah. He's on the Marlins now. Yeah, they lost Segura. Their middle infield was their weakness last year. And Scott got... hasn't played well since he's been called up. No. No. And DD is, is, as much as I love DD from his time in the Bronx, 2017 DD will always have a special place in my heart. Right. DD Gregorius is not a starting shortstop in the MLB anymore. Not anymore. Not on a good team. No. No, and obviously they're down Reese Hoskins, too. Yep, he's on his ACL. He's out. Harper's not playing. Harper's not playing until, like, what, June? Something like that, Which is just nuts. It's Tommy John? It was was like an off-season UCL repair. Yeah. I don't think it was Tommy John. But but he only DH last year, too. Right. He he didn't play much outfield at all last year. Yeah. And they're... Oh, so it wasn't full Tommy John. It was just... It was just like a partially repair UCL. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. You probably can't swing a bat with a fully torn... UCL. Definitely not. Um, um, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm all for it. I mean, yeah, they do have, good for well, you. They do have Trey Turner now, though. They we're do talking, have Trey Turner. Oh, about shit, field. yeah. Crap. But let's yeah, talk about this real quick yeah, because yeah, yeah. people aren't talking about this. Trey Turner defensively yeah. overrated. 
Well, yeah, he was supremely that, average. Though he wasn't that good at shortstop. That's why when he got traded to the Dodgers, they moved him to second. They moved him to second, and right. he played better. But the right. Phillies with were like, Seager. With Seager. Yeah. Right. But no, uh, we're going to put him back in short, and he's going to tear up the NL East. And he's a nice guy. I mean, he's still like, he going to hit. But oh, he was on Barstool, like, what, today? I think so. He, I, I like Trey Turner a lot. And he's, he's a still, really likable person. And, and just, he's a terrific hitter, but you're right. I mean, he's not the best, def- best shortstop his, in the world. His defensive metrics are so unbelievably average. You would be criminally overrating him if you're saying, oh, Trey Turner is uh, one of the best shortstops in the NL. No. Oh, I can't. Defensively. I can't wait to just cook you up with Trey Turner takes in like a month. Oh, no. Well, he's he's going to rake at the plate. Yeah. Right? That's why he gets paid the big dollars. Yeah. But, you know, defensively, you know. Which sometimes can hurt you when your offense isn't producing. Right. And Not him specifically, the team in general. Right. Overall, the team Also, their bull... I mean, their bullpen got a little bit better, but their bullpen overperformed last postseason they also. They aren't on paper as good as... They lost they some... They lost some arms, too. They did get Kimbrell. They got Kimbrell. Yeah. I mean, whatever. Well, it depends on the day with Kimbrell. Exactly. Yep. And, you know, they brought in Taiwan Walker, who got shelled. Shocking. Right. I don't like Taiwan Walker that much. I mean, I... I he was fine on the Mets. He it's is... Always, we're going to talk, talk about, about criminally average. <laughs> Taiwan Walker. But it's funny, you're seeing a trend. Every person that leaves a New York team either just becomes astronomically good or... Completely average or even worse. Yeah, you know it happened with uh, Jerry's Familia. Um, Joey Gallo is raking in Minnesota right now. Fuck Joey Gallo. Um, F- I, Chris res- Bassett. Re- no, no. Respectfully, fuck Joey Gallo. <laughs> also, disrespectfully, <laughs> fuck Joey Gallo. I disagree. I no, think, I, Joey Gallo I seems him, like he seems like a nice guy. He just can't. Do you ever could, see? He, he could not hit. He streamed an old MLB mm-hmm. game a few years. Yeah. A few years ago, when he was still on the Rangers, yeah, he was like, "Okay, they picked like these." This is off topic, but yeah. I thought it was really funny. That's cool, Joey Gallo. And Joey Gallo was like, "Uh, so they picked these two really good pictures for you know these two players, but yeah. then you get to mine, and he's literally making an orgasm face." Well, he does that all the time. Have you ever watched him when he the game? Uh, he like he it was like in the middle of his swing that he yeah. was trying to pop one, yeah. which he always does. It's either a pop out or a dinger. And he, he looked like he was just having the biggest nut of his life. Have you ever seen him just like casually throughout the game though? Yeah. Like he's always like twitching and doing all this stuff with his right. face, which is, it's fine. Right. But it's hard. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure Joey Gallo's a nice guy and he, the people in New York gave him a shit time, but like he's hit three home runs in two games. I really don't think he's, I don't think that's he hasn't hit a, he hasn't hit above 200, not around 200, above 200. In four seasons, 2019 was the last time he hit above 200. Even then, it was like 210. Right. He is not a good contact hitter. He'll hit some home runs. All, Still a good fielder. All I'm trying to say, Jake, yep. is that if you leave a New York team, it's either a blessing or a curse. And if you if you leave the Yankees, it's probably a blessing. How dare you? If you leave the Mets, it's probably a curse. Yeah, it makes all, all that makes sense. How dare you talk about the Yankees like that? I'm going to talk about the Yankees like that all season. Incorrect. But we're going to talk about the Yankees right now because they already they, look great. they already look like they're in postseason form. They look great. That was Garrett Cole had the most strikeouts by a Yankee starter ever in opening day performance. Garrett Cole, which shoved. is crazy to think about. Right. It was uh, Garrett Garrett Cole shoved the Giants. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then who started the second game? I can't even remember at this point. I, I think I Clark Schmidt. He did all. He did solid. They played the Giants they, the first series. They kind of imploded. Right. Yeah, they kind of imploded in game. They two. had Jock Peterson uh, saying f bombs on live TV. Yeah. They kind of imploded during <laughs> like game the two. third game. Yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Yanni Brito, who none of you know who that is. It was his MLB debut. He comes in, 
pitches five innings, gets like six strikeouts, two hits, no runs. Underrated, the Yankees' bullpen has been great so far. They're these, fantastic. In these first five games. But sample size. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we don't wanna we don't wanna get too ahead of ourselves, right. but Volpe has looked awesome. Anthony for for Volpe multiple reasons. Is up. A, they called him up and let him play. Awesome. He stole a base in each of the first The Mets games. need to bring up Brett Beatty right now, yeah. or else I'm gonna scream. Well, you don't anyway. like Eduardo Escobar? No. <laughs> <laughs> nah. But Anthony Volpe at least got the call, and I he think looks Gra- great. I think Gra- Grayson Rodriguez just got the call during our recording. I got a message. Oh, really? During in our, if you, I think it during in our fantasy league, uh, Ozzy, uh, Ozzy sent something. He's a Orioles fan. It says Gray Rod time or something like that. So I'm glad they're doing that too. Right. I'm I, glad I, teams are bringing up their hot prospects, but I just. No, Volpe's looked awesome. He's looked the part. He had a stolen base in each one of their first three home games, which is just awesome. Shout out the big bases. We're going to talk about yeah, that in yeah, a minute. Yeah. He looks, I mean, he looks awesome. I'm just, I'm very excited because it feels like a different time in New York. Like yeah. the last few years, there's been some stagnancy, mm-hmm. whatever, you know. And then Judge has this amazing season. They finally feel like they've got the pitching staff together. Because they're when their pitching staff is healthy... I, they might have the best one through four starting rotation in the league. The problem is they have to stay healthy. They're up there with like, you know, the Mets. One through um, four. You know, the Padres have looked pretty good so far. The, their rotation. Uh, the Rays and the Twins are both correct. Shoving. I mean, they all look good. I'm just saying. I don't know if there's another rotation in baseball. They that, definitely have good that, names. That all four of their starters have were all stars within the last five years. Yeah. No. I mean, and all of them are in their primes uh-huh. if they're healthy. So, but. They've, it just feels like a different time, if that makes sense. Like, Aaron Hicks isn't playing. Cool. Kiner Falefa is only playing a little. Does that sound... Yeah, yeah, they like, have a couple young guys up. They have a captain again. They have their big-name MVP, best player in the league, arguably player. They have the big-name pitcher. They have a bullpen of just guys that... Ron, Mar- Ron Marinaccio has been fucking shoving it so far. It's all small sample sizes. Right. But I but think, they, looking at the outside in, Jake, looking yeah. at the outside in... Boom, yeah. as much as he's probably a nice guy, yeah. he's just not saying anything yeah. this season. Correct. And it's helping him. Mm-hmm. He's just not, he's just staying out of the way. He's like, you know what? I have probably, I've, I mean, I think Otani is that guy right now, but Judge is like number two in the league in terms of best players. You know, I have that guy. Yeah, no, guy. It's, just, it's just an arguable, I like. I have Giancarlo hitting bombs to center field. 485. Feet. I have, you know, I mean, a situation at third. But then we brought up Volpe. Yeah, you know the fans love him. Mm-hmm. You know that was a good that was a good move by him, bringing yeah. him up, letting it letting him take some of the pressure off the manager. That's what a lot of these teams do. You saw it with uh, Bobby Wood Jr. last year. Yep. You know you didn't really hear too much out of him because his season was kind of subpar. Shut up, Bobby Wood. Um, I mean, he went twenty twenty. He did. Yeah. But you know you have high expectations for these players, and Volpe looks the part. For the Yankees. It's just a cool... I, the Yankees just feel different. I haven't watched too much of it. I mean, look at Nestor's... Uh, cleats? Uh, the mustache, mustache cleats. cleats. Yeah, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. That was nice. Yeah. That was awesome. Also, they uh, they did a thing on Twitter where they had everyone who walked in mock his, like, uh, wind-up. Oh, yeah? It was really funny. There's like, seven guys who just, like... Like, Garrett Cole did it for, like, a solid 30 <laughs> seconds. And then even Nestor came in and did, like, a little, like, hop, 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 hop. Because <laughs> he does, like, a weird little, like, like kickback thing. Yeah. But um, one New York team already looks like they're in postseason form. We'll see if the Yankees avoid their midseason collapse. They won't. That they've had they won't. the past couple of years. We'll see what happens. 
Um, it's funny that we talk about them like that, and they won 99 games last year. <laughs> yeah. But it's still, I mean... No, no, I know. They start off hot. This is this is my issue I have low. with Yankees and Yankees fans. It's like, guys, we're playing in the ALCS every other year. I know we haven't made a World Series, and we've lost the Astros in, like, four straight ALCSs, and that sucks. It does. But this is something that, like, only a handful of baseball teams can say they've done. Right. And it's... It, it's about the journey. I mean, the Mets won 101 games last year, mm-hmm. lost their division in the final weekend, yep. and didn't make it out of the wild card. Mm-hmm. It sucks. It's very Mets. It's very low Mets. Yeah, it's very Mets. And they're starting out this season kind of in the same vein. Why? Because their two best pitchers can't play? So, what do you mean? Edwin Diaz and Verlander? Oh, well, right. So, Edwin <laughs> Diaz is out for the year, sadly. But the Mets bullpen has been doing pretty well. Tommy... Tommy Hunter went on the IL today. Shout out to uh, is it is it Tommy Timmy Trumpets Tommy Trumpets Timmy Trumpets Timmy Trumpets Timmy Trumpets in MLB the show Narcos yeah did you hear that you yeah heard it? yeah I follow the Mets SMY like game day director on yeah. Twitter and he was like I when that when they first debuted that walk up cam they're like okay like Gary Cohen. The GOAT, who was on the mic, he was like, all right, we're not going to commercial. Wait, hold on. Is their announcer also a Cohen? Yeah. They're not related, though? No, that's not great. related. Okay. Yeah. So Gary Cohen's like, we're not going to commercial. Uh, stay tuned. And he just doesn't say anything. And then all of a sudden, you just see the camera pull like pull over to the bullpen, and there's Edwin Diaz just throwing, throwing his bullpen Closer? Closer comeouts are the coolest and thing then, in baseball. You hear the music start. He walks over to the gate at City Field, and then when he opens the door and he starts his like little walk, yeah, and to the drums. And then when the trumpets start to play, he does like his little run up trot, and the camera followed him from the back the entire way. I mean, bef- and then they put that in MLB the Show this year, think, which is what Jake was talking yeah, about. Think about the most gangster thing. That any closer's ever done, and it's Mariano Rivera walking out to enter Sandman right. every single. It's like who was who was that uh, the the White Sox closer when they won the World Series had like a sick sick outro. Ah, uh, why can't um, why can't I remember him? The 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 Cardinals had one too. I forget their names, but continue. I will Google. Continue. Right. Continue. So it just sucks that you know we don't get to experience that this year. The Mets kind of went a little too far with it last season, if you ask me. I mean, they had him play it live at one point, mm-hmm. which was just like kind of corny, if yeah. you ask me. It was cool, but it was it was kind of it was kind of corny. But I still I still love it because Edwin just owns that song now. Uh, F you, uh, William Contreras. Yeah, you're not even using it this year. But Trevor Hoffman used to do Hell's Bells. Yeah, Trevor Hoffman was what I was thinking of. Eric Gagne, Eric Gagne used to do Welcome to the Jungle. Yeah. Um, and the Mets don't have that this year, and I think they're really going to miss it come down the stretch. What? You're giving a face. Because I wish you a, guys could see this face. No, because this is like it's like a ranking of the best ones. Okay. Number one is Wild Thing. By who? Who who walked out For, to Wild Thing? Rick Vaughn. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like Charlie Sheen. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Never mind. We take it back. <laughs> Jonathan Papelbon did uh, I'm Shipping Up to Boston by the Dropkick Mur- drop yeah. Murphys, which is cool which when is he was cool. in Boston. Yeah. Um, but the Mets are and without Cam that Lee this Jansen year. Cam Lee Jansen does California Love in the, with the Dodgers when he was with the when Dodgers. When he was with the Dodgers. The Tupac song, yeah. yeah. Um, and the Mets are also without Verlander right now because... 
Pulling, what happened pulling to the big back. offseason acquisition? He is on the 15-day IL. Mm. So not too long, right. but the Mets could really use him, or they could have really used him. You know, they, they sent Tyler McGill down to for shizzle, AAA, for but then they immediately brought him back the first day of the season. And David Peterson did really well his first outing this year. Um, he's our only left-handed starting pitcher, by the way. Who? David Peterson. Oh. I have him on one of my fantasy teams. Um, and so the Mets are just without a lot of left-handed pitching, which I think hurts. And um, losing arguably one of the best pitchers in the league, and Justin Verlander, the first day, mm-hmm. hurts. But it does. what doesn't hurt, well, at least what hurts the opposing team's batter, is the ghost fork from Kadai Senga. He had his major league debut the other day. That's Started sh- off a little rocky. He had like yeah, 30 pitches in like an inning and a half. That shit is filthy. But he made uh, uh, Luis Arias, who is probably going to lead the NL in batting average this year, look it, silly. There is um, something There is something crazy where he has like the fourth best batting average of a career, like since the inception of time. Like he, he's at like yeah. 334 for his career. Could I Singa made the Marlins first baseman throw his bat not once, mm-hmm. not twice, but three different times. When striking out or grounding out. He's filthy nasty. Twice over to the dugout and then once in front of the mound. And it was filthy. He ended up like with a eight strikeouts to three walks or something. And um, when he got over his nerves mm-hmm. and when he was able to settle in and finally like I mean, he can he can throw pretty hard. Like he his fastball gets up to like ninety seven, right? But when he brings out that fork, that ghost fork, it is the f- nasty. The fork yeah, but it's disgusting, you know. But it it's just you have a lot of expectations. I mean, you're used to them as a Yankees fan. Not other Yankees fans aren't used to expectations because they expect so much every year. It's yeah, it's just a. I'm realistic with it. As much as I want them to win, right? They're going to be in or around the playoffs every year. And I I kind of like how you know they're buying their way to it, but they're not. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's what, the Mets, judge. that's what the Mets are doing. Right. Now. They developed Judge. Right. They pay. They paid Judge. Yeah. And they paid Garrett Cole. They're, they paid Carlos Rodon. It's not like they aren't paying these guys, but they're they're calling up their prospects and letting them play. Yeah. I mean, Cashman in 2012 or whatever would have shipped him off and tried to sign 38-year-old. I don't even know who at that the, point. The Mets farm system over the past 10, 15 years has obviously been not on par with what the Yankees have been doing. But the Mets have a lot of homegrown talent still playing for them. You know, obviously we lost to Grom. R.I.P. But... Yeah, I mean, they were all, like, pitchers. Right. They had, the Mets had incredible pitching, and they still do. You know, yeah. there's a reason why David Peterson and Tyler McGill are still starting for the Mets this year. Tyler with an O. Tyler, Tyler with a with an O. Tyler McGill's. Um, Sylor McGill. Anyway, um, what I'm trying to say is the Mets have a lot of decent prospects on the way. I mean, they had the number one prospect last year, and he's still not up. He's number two now. He's number two now. And he's still not up. Brett Beatty, who... Sh- who they also are like, he might not play all year. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's just they're such in limbo with what their prospects are trying to do for this team that it's just... It feels like it's starting to get behind the times with an organization like that who has a $330 million payroll this year. That's it? Yeah, that's it. No, you know, it's not, it's not much, right? That shit's lightweight hilarious. Yeah. And, I mean, there's a rule named after... Steve Cohen. Mm-hmm. It's the Cohen tax. 
where if you go above a certain threshold, you're into his territory, you have to pay like an insanely amount in luxury. And he was like, it's cool, I don't care, I love the like, Mets. cool, yeah, sure, I love the Mets, I, I loved the Mets, and I'm gonna buy the Mets a ring. Which, hopefully, well, I'd like to see a Mets World Series in my lifetime. Well. You already have that. I do, that's I, literally the only championship I've witnessed with my own eyes. I don't. Yeah. I don't have that. I remember 2009. I have an asterisk with the Giants, the New York Giants, but. Two of them. Two of them, but mm-hmm. it's like different. It's true. Long, long story. I would take the Jets losing the Super Bowl over the Yankees winning a world. No, I take that back. No, you, you would take yeah. that back. Yeah. Um, but Jake, that's mm-hmm. only one, not even one week with the MLB. There are a few rule changes that I think we can talk about really quickly before we move on from the MLB for now. Um, obviously, if you guys don't know, the MLB instituted some new rules. They banned the shift. And they increased the size of the bases, mm-hmm. and they also instituted a pitch clock. And the pitch clock was well-received in spring training. It was well-received in the minor leagues last year. Yeah, which is why they brought it which to Which is the why they brought it to the MLB this also, year. Side note, I like that they did that. I, I, I like that they're too. like, let's battle test this with... I mean, not that they're less important than MLB players, but let's battle test it somewhere where if it's, if it's bad, it's not going to make a difference. It's not going to lose us money. Right. As much as it sucked seeing the ML, the MILB mm-hmm. being downsized a couple years ago. Yeah. Which, by the way, it's hilarious that it's a lowercase i, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's really helping the development of baseball because owners are able to try new things at a lower cost. Yep. They signed a new CBA with the minor league players that, like, doubled their pay. Yeah, they're getting paid, like... Me like a normal human, a being. normal human being yeah. now across well, the board. Yeah, you know, double A, even single A ball. They're still making. Yeah, they're getting paid livable wages, fifty, sixty thousand dollars. Something that you can. And if you're in triple A, you can you can get you know a, a six figure salary sometimes. Yeah, 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 you know, it's possible for those career triple A because they're they exist those career triple A players. Yep, and they can now you know make a really really good paycheck. That actually sounds amazing. Let me think about it. If I made a hundred thousand dollars a year for like twenty years, our closest just minor league team in the, is the uh, trip the AAA affiliate for the Washington Nationals, the Rochester Red Wings. Yep. And sometimes known as the Rochester Plates. Yeah. <laughs> um, which they don't play at Frontier Field anymore. I forget. What? I forget what they renamed the stadium. Oh yeah, but it's not Frontier else, Field, which is lame. Which is lame. Um, but you can make a a decent, like down in single and double A, you can make yeah, yeah. a really decent wage. Yep. Whereas now in AAA, you can get upwards of, like, really good money, yeah. which I think is really nice because they're instituting these new rules with the minor league first. Like, be, go be our guinea pigs, be our test dummies, and then we'll bring it up to the big boys. And that's what they did this year, and I really like it. I like the pitch clock. The average game time is down a half an hour. I already have people who normally don't like baseball. They're like, they're asking me, what's with these rule changes? And it's it, it's not even so much the time of it as much as the game is the, the actual pace of the game. There has been more singles mm-hmm. this year than, and like there's been no, more singles so far in this week than like the entire first month last year. Hmm. You're seeing less bombs. I mean, you're still seeing some, right? But that also goes in line with the shift. Yep. You know, you're seeing more singles because they banned the Which we talked shift. About, yep. Which we talked about. Sort of. For the but I want to bring up this because the Red Sox are doing something funky. Mm-hmm. And people are like, oh, it's not fair. It's, it's, and they should change the rule. But let me talk about it real quick. The Red Sox. Boo. 
this past week. Boo, Red they were, Sox, boo. They played the Orioles first, and now they're... Playing somebody. Playing the Pirates. Yeah, they're playing a team. They're playing a team. Confirmed. So, with the way the shift is banned now, both, all the infielders need to be on dirt. Correct. And there can only be one... Stay off the grass, kids. Stay off the grass, and there can only be one middle infielder. There has to be one middle infielder on either side of of second base. Yeah, they can be like... Right next to it, but they have to be on the their side of it. Right. What the Red Sox are doing, they took the terminology and they put it to their advantage. There was a... I forget who was up to bat. It was a left-handed pull hitter, which were normally the most victimized for the shift. Or, Cody, Cody Bellinger. The Cody Bellingers. The Christian Yelichs. You know, all, all those guys who swing big. The Rizzo. They pull heavy to the, to the mm-hmm. right field fence. They were often victimized by the shift because you would have the shortstop come over and be in lower right field. You'd move the third baseman over to short because they're not going to mm-hmm. hit it that way. Yep. And and even if they do, you take your odds. Now they can't do that. But what the Red Sox are doing, they poo... They, <laughs> they, they poo? <laughs> they poo? <laughs> they, oh, my God, Nick. <laughs> oh, my God. They moved their left fielder. They pooed to the left fielder. <laughs> They moved their left fielder and they brought him over as a second right fielder. So there was an outfield shift, which is technically legal. Boo. Right. So they had a center fielder playing center field. Is Alex Core their manager again? Yeah, he's Fuck that guy. So they had a center fielder in center, a right fielder way up back against the warning track, and then a left fielder standing where a typical like second, second baseman, baseman would be, yeah, yeah. Would be Shallow, right. in the in the old ship. And they had a left hand the whoever the Red Sox were playing, a left handed batter hit it, which normally now with the shift change would have been a base hit. Yeah. But they had Do you know what my favorite thing is when people are like just hit it the other way. It's like, yeah, you go play Major League Baseball. You go hit it opposite field. <laughs> yeah, see yeah. how freaking hard you see, that is. Please, you please. Even in high school. Well, okay, you see it in high school a lot because the, the batters just aren't good. What's well, like the, the pitchers aren't as good the either. The pitchers aren't yeah, as good yeah. either. The, the hitting isn't well, so you see it sometimes. Yeah, and if you're an MLB level hitter, you can do whatever you want. You can in do high whatever school. you want but, in high school. Yeah, I mean, but when you get up to other caliber stars yeah. in the MLB. You you go face a ghost fork and you <laughs> tell me how easy it is to determine you, where you want it to go. Right. You either sit there and try and bunt it down the third baseline like Jeff McNeil or. Or specifically, like, I'm going to aim for left field 150 feet. Right. Exactly in that spot. Yeah, like, I'm just, okay. I'm, I'm running analytics. analytics if it was that easy, we'd all be Tony Gwynn. <laughs> yeah, correct. And so now people are like, oh, but the shift was banned, but it's legal because all the infielders are still where, they're need to, where they need to be. I don't know. Stupid Red Sox from baseball again. I don't like it. I think if you're going to ban the shift, you ban it for all. No, more shifts. Seven players. That this is, is really, bullshit, Nick. This is bullshit. There's obviously going to be a lot more baseball to talk about. We have 162 games to get through. 157. 157 now. Dick dingers. But, you know, we already we only talked yep. about five of them. Yep. 157. We've got all to summer go. to talk about dingers. All summer to talk and about. taters and schwerbers. All about, you know, shoving yep. and bombing and dinging yep. and sliding. And more shoving. And more shoving. So keep an eye out for that when it comes to end this episode off, we're kind of getting towards that hour mark. Yep. Hello, friends. It's the only it's the only week of golf Jake cares about. It is the only week that of <laughs> golf that Jake cares about. 
Nick obviously cares about golf a lot, and he's been keeping up with the PGA this... I care a little bit more about golf than I make it seem, but this is my favorite week for golf. This is the Masters. It is the Masters week. Funny. Players are arriving in Augusta, Georgia, which is also, like, ironically, it's so funny. You have the Augusta, the Augusta Golf Club, yeah. right? And then, like, it's two minutes away from, like, an impoverished Georgia community. Yeah. Like, Augusta is, like... Yeah, and Augusta's no. so rich that they they I saw a picture on Twitter of their like prices for everything. Yeah, like uh, soda to like a dollar fifty. Like nothing has gone up. It's like, do you want some popcorn? Dollar fifty. Mm-hmm. Like the menu is exactly the same. Nothing want- is more than three dollars. They're so rich. They defeated inflation, Nick. I want to make they it a beat life inflation. Goal. I want to make it a life goal to win the ticket lottery for the Masters. Yep. Go and eat a pimento cheese sandwich. The fuck is a pimento? Don't worry about it. Okay, don't worry about it. Um, but. Yes, the Masters is this week, and I've been keeping up with golf all season, as I normally do. Shout out Max Homa. Shout out Max Homa, the, the Twitter guy. Yeah, I'm a homosexual. Um, <laughs> <laughs> with an A. Right. <laughs> Jake, you're funny. <laughs> we talked about baseball a lot this episode, but many people view the Masters as when spring is really here. Yeah, you see the, uh, what are those flowers called? The flowers, the azaleas, yeah, Uh the Iggy azaleas, the Iggy azaleas, yeah. Um, But spring is finally here, Jake. The players are starting to get to the club. I know spring's here, Nick. You should have seen my allergies this last week. Damn, can't relate. Sadly, (laughs) if all all of you out there who are affected by pollen, good luck. All my pollen peeps. All my pollen peeps. Um, Get your Zyrtec D now. No free ads, but get it in. Augusta. Obviously, the Masters have seen some notable champions in the past. But Tiger. It, it generally favors those who hit bombs. It is one of the longest courses in the world, like over like 7,400 yards or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so it generally favors those that you know hit bombs out of the tee box. Like Luke Skipka? And can really... Um, I, don't know, I don't know where he's... No, he's not. He just won. Whatever the last tournament he played in, he just won. He's on the Live Tour. Yeah, he is, but he's playing in the Masters. And he's playing in the Masters. But he just won the previous tournament he played in. But according to, I mean, people bet on golf, Yeah, which is funny. Yeah, um, yeah no, I bet on Max Homa last year at the Masters. Right. They so Scotty Scheffler won last year. Which I think he has a the master, he had He had his Masters dinner. He is one of the favorites. Generally, <laughs> if you're number one in the world, you are... His math... His... John Rahm's a favorite, I know that. But did you see his Masters dinner, how fucking cool it was? Yeah. It was like Boom Boom Shrimp. It was like, just like an Applebee's menu, but <laughs> yeah, like Cormet. It was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was Cormet Applebee's. He had like a cookie, he had like a... It was uh, Chili's, which is just Gourmet's Applebee's. It was a, it was a, his dessert option just made my mouth water. It was like a cast iron cookie cake. Yeah, yeah. For like every single person in attendance. <laughs> With a little bit of vanilla ice cream. <laughs> it's like, that sounds so good, but also like you can get that anywhere. You can get that anywhere, but I mean, you were able to eat all of that at the Masters. <laughs> it was like Scotty Shepard. It's like, here's your three for ten apps. There's, there's some sliders and some boom boom shrimp. <laughs> yeah, sliders is an appetizer <laughs> with boom boom shrimp. <laughs> What's great is Scotty Shepard's like my age, so it's just like, right. what would you he's want? And I'd be like, I mean, he's, a, he's a Texas boy. So yeah, right. I'm like, all of this makes sense. I would also want some brisket. Yeah. I would also just be like, give me some spots of shrimp. I wasn't thinking about this, Jake. Say you or I won the Masters. We're both upstate New I York. I wouldn't be here. Right. <laughs> like, neither of us would be here. Yeah. But we're both from central New York. Yeah. Right. And so what would be some, like, local cuisine that you would have at your 
Master I'd make Shinta. everyone try a garbage plate. I would have garbage plates. I'd be like, listen, all of you Master's motherfuckers, dinner. none of you know what this is. <laughs> Witness. I'd be I like, would, Nick, Nick, Nicholas Tahoe, sir, would, meet me in Augusta. I would, I, I would have Wegmans. I'd have Wegmans. Caterers. For the Augusta cooking staff. Yep. I'd be like, okay, listen, you're going to use this Ayo, food provider. Ayo, Danny. Ayo, <laughs> Danny. Get down to Augusta. You're my guest. We're going to eat some garbage plates with actual mac salad, potato wedges, meats, and an actual meat sauce. Hmm. That would be sweet. That would be nice. And gnarly. then, like, dessert would be, like, what? I don't know. Something. Something. We'd bring a bunch of wine. Yeah. Cheesecake. Obviously. Cheesecake. Yeah. Yeah. I would just rent out a cheesecake factory. Oh, oh! So you're gonna, so instead of not like, really because their food's trash, but so, the cheesecake. Like Scottish <laughs> Scheffler using an Applebee's menu. Yeah, you would use the cheesecake factory menu. I would use. Uh, I would use. Oh, this is an incredible question, Nick. Um, I would use Think Nick Tahoe's for the dinner. Like I would be like, let's just get all the let's just get garbage plates down for dinner and like for novelty the sandwiches. I would get a cheesecake factory. For dessert. For, uh, you know, so Scotty Scheffler did uh, sliders for an appetizer. Mm-hmm. Chicken speedies. Oh, yeah. As an appetizer. With some chicken riggies out With here. some chicken riggies up oh, there. Whoa, oh, baby. Whoa. I'm going to pose this question to you that's listening. Follow us on Twitter. At no, Up not Podcast. you. You. <laughs> at Up Air Podcast on Twitter. Send us what you would have for your master's dinner if you were to win the master's. I Hypothetically. I Really, I know Justin's gonna reply, and his is gonna be really fucking stupid. Yeah, <laughs> I think some I want people, pizza. For- <laughs> some of the people that I know that listen could probably come up with some pretty good shit. I'm I'm gonna think about this harder. I'm really this is not my greatest on the spot. thing. We should come back to this next week as like the opener, as talk about like our reaction to the Masters because we'll be recording it after the yeah um, after it's done. Which I think you already said. Who you think it's got, gonna be Scotty again this year? No, I really, I I hope it's Max Homer. I really think it's going to be Rory, Rory McIlroy. Finally, uh, he hasn't. He's had a couple high finishes. Well, let's go with John Rahm. Has he won one yet? Not a master. He's been really good. I'm going to go. With he's John Rahm. he's been he's been tearing stuff up. But I think it's going to be ah Will's out of tours because Tiger thinks R. Rory is going to do R. it. Tiger's playing in this Masters. I think I think it would be really good for the PGA Tour if Rory won this. Rory, if he finally gets a green jacket, would be really well. For the PGA Tour, well, live, that's what I'm saying, yeah. I mean, live. No one cares. No one really cares. Frank, sorry, Francesca, who cares? I'm just letting y'all know my biases for who cares. I think live is kind of stupid, but um, I also think living is stupid. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see what happens this weekend. I'm going to be tuning in every single day because I've been. For those of you that don't know, I've been calling um, baseball games for a local. Hobart D- College. Local, local D3 College, Hobart William Smith. And the weather here in upstate New York has not been cooperative with... No, not every day. With baseball. Like, hello, so, 65 and sunny. Hello, game time. I'm going Raining to have, in 35. Besides my grad school work, I'm going to have time to watch sick, as much Masters as I can. Sick brag, Nick. Sorry. Nerd. I mean, we're all in... I mean, okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm fine with that, Jake. I'm should try being a cool college dropout like me. <laughs> but I'm excited to see what happens this weekend. Um, there's a lot more sports that we're going to talk about. NBA playoffs start next week. Oh. Um, the Masters, obviously, we're going to talk about that. More baseball. 
Um, if there's any more stories that comes up, we'll be we'll be getting some NFL draft things as we, we get closer. Be, we'll be getting closer. Uh, right. As the draft is about three weeks away. Dra- right. I think it's three weeks from Thursday. Three weeks from Thursday, the twenty seventh or so. We're gonna get we're gonna get that all out to you as we keep on this up in the air journey, Jake. Where to my mommy? Um, before we leave, I just want to give a quick shout out to one of my not my reason for getting into sports broadcasting. Um, but, you know, just an icon. Jim Nance has called his final NCAA March Madness tournament. RIP. Well, <laughs> he's still going to be calling football for at least a little more, a little while longer. Well, yeah. And he's obviously going to be doing the Masters every year. I think the football the football makes sense. Like, you just... I actually don't know why he stopped calling the Final Four. You show up once a fucking year You show year up for three once weeks. a year for three weeks. Yep. I would argue that you should stick with that and then let... Ian, Ian Eagle be number one for CBS, but um, he's going to keep calling football for at least a little while. He wants to spend more time with his family. He's yep. getting up there in age. You know, we're seeing all these great. I mean, he's been calling the March. He's been calling the Final Four for thirty six years. That's exactly. a long time. You know, he has an he has an impeccable legacy. He hasn't been the main NFL guy for nearly as long. So I guess I kind of get it. He he wants That's to be Pat up there Summerall. with like the Al Michaels and the yeah. Pat Summerall's, but um, he's still going to be calling the Masters. But I just wanted to give an appreciation to him for his work. Over yep. these past 36 years with the NCAA tournament because that was his voice. Yeah, shout out to you, Jimothy. Shout out to you, Jim Nance. If you ever listen to this, I doubt it. But he, he also the coolest thing he said at the end was just like, "Thank you all for being my friends." Right. And that's just like, damn. That was that's it, some Toy Story it, shit it, right there, Jim. Hit me in the feels because he's just able to leave not only a lasting legacy for himself, but for every single player in all the sports that he's called for. He is a part of that legacy. There too. is a storyteller to every story, and yep. he was the main storyteller for he a lot of people's was stories. The man. So, um, shout out to you, Jim Nance. The I appreciate man. your work, and I look forward to hearing you this weekend and for as many more years as you are willing to give us. With Nick Feldo. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, uh, no Nance and Raftery makes me sad. I hope Raftery like lives forever and just never stops. Yeah. He's my favorite person on this planet, I I'm, think. I'm wondering what Ian Eagle and probably his son. He's probably gonna work with his son a lot. Noah. Noah Eagle. He's a cool ass last name. Yeah, Eagle. Yeah. Yeah. Better than the shit we got. Yeah. I'd name my son Bald. <laughs> That's going to do it from us for this episode nine of the Up in the Up in the Air podcast, folks. Keep an eye out. Like I said, follow us on Twitter. Send us your Masters dinners. I want to. I want to see what you guys can come up Give with. Give me all your tweets. Give me all your tweets. Feed them to me. Um, all eleven of you that will see that my tweets. <laughs> <laughs> More than eleven, Jake. But anyway, this has been episode nine of right Up on. in the Air. I am Nick. I'm Jake. We will see you all next week. Hasta la pasta. Bye.